Okay, welcome back to part two of 10 tips for your in-person pitch. And we are going right to number six, tip number six. Talk less and listen more. You don't need more than a one-minute intro. Trust me. Now, 10 years ago, maybe. In fact, it was a much, much different story. But most potential investors, even people you know, and I'm assuming you at least know your potential investor, um, or it's a good friend of a friend, they will still search the crap out of you online before considering a meeting or a follow-up phone call. Just assume they might well look you up and get a lot of at least basic information about your filmmaking past. So with that said, you don't need a five to 10 minute explanation of your bio or your film background, especially if they've most likely, like I said, read your info online. Just recap the bullet points. So for example, I went to film school at XYZ University. My thesis project was ranked number one in my class. I made a short film last year that played well at three festivals. So far, uh, it actually won the audience award at one. And I've been working on this screenplay for almost two years. And we just recently got this really talented director attached. That's it. That's your quick bio. 30 seconds. Now, your pitch... Your pitch should also be fairly short, too. You don't want to come across as one of those know-it-alls who are just talk and talk and talk and talk and you, you're putting the, uh, your potential investor asleep. So your pitch should only be a few minutes. Um, I try to keep mine less than five minutes. And you should mention some comparables, two or three films in your genre or niche. So let's just say I'm doing a documentary you, can, you definitely want to mention, hey, here's a couple of other uh, documentaries that were fairly low budget. Ours is going to be a little bit lower budget, but in the same ballpark. And this one had a, uh, a theatrical release. It ended up getting picked up by this streaming platform, and it made $2 million. This other documentary got a great advance from this company. So you're showing some, um, some proof or concept, okay? Then you can uh, continue your pitch saying, yes, so this director we got, really excited about him. He has a 2-0 and o track record, meaning both of his first features did get distribution. The first one made this amount of money. The second one is expected to do pretty well, too. You know, it's still early. We just signed the distribution agreement, and we want to keep that same winning streak he has going. And what might be of interest... So I'm just continuing the pitch here. I'm just making stuff up. And what might be of interest to you is that one of our producers' fathers owns a small indie theater chain with five theaters in three cities. And while he was unable to put any money in yet as an investor, he's guaranteed us that we can open the film up theatrically in all three cities. That's huge. Because this, the reason this is important, and you're continuing to tell why it's important to the investor, this is really important because even just getting into theaters for a couple of days in three different cities, this will help get us a lot of exposure and PR. We can get some buzz and some press for the film, and we don't have to pay a dime. This is kind of... Um, that the father just wants to kind of make his contribution by putting our film on the screen for a few nights. So, like I said, 
keep your pitch to five minutes or less. Just hit the highlights. A couple of the, uh, the other thing in your pitch, you want to have at least one or two very unique. Uh, they're called USPs, unique selling propositions that make you and your film and your team a little bit different than every other indie film, okay? Because we already know going in, and if your potential investor doesn't know this already, part of your job is to educate him or her that indie films, especially low-budget ones, are very, very risky investments. So part of getting that unique thing like I just mentioned about hypothetically you had a guarantee to open up in three different cities that's pretty big for an indie film that separates that you from all the other filmmakers out there that's unique okay especially if you don't have to pay any money to get it into those theaters um, now the one exception to keeping it five minutes or less is if you have a really great rapport building story that you feel can help make an emotional connection with you and your potential investor or make an emotional connection between the investor and your project, go ahead and lead with that. And a really, really great story. Remember, we're all storytellers. A great story can make your whole pitch more about... Um, me too, like feeling, yeah, yeah, I'm on board versus so what? And if you're talking too much, if you're just pitching and pitching and pitching and, you know, you look at the investor kind of crossing his arms, he's getting into that so what mode. I've heard enough. So the rest of the time, the, uh, most of your pitch, you should actually be quiet. Just sit back and listen. Hopefully, if there's any interest at all, he or she will ask some questions. So you want to wait till they get the whole question out. Don't jump on top of the questions. Wait for them and then patiently answer them. And when you reply back, reply back with really short, no BS answers. And you should immediately know the answer to every single question if you're prepared. But if you don't, in the unlikely event he throws you or she throws you a question, you just don't know the answer, and maybe it's a really valid question, just say, hey, I honestly don't know the answer to that question, but I promise I will get back with you uh, by tomorrow. Okay? Now, um, sidebar on that, make sure you always follow up. If there's any hanging question or questions, make sure you follow up um, on that question to them within 24 hours. Now, business people or people that are getting ready to part with a large chunk of money, they always like things in black or white, okay? So if you want to give an answer, don't say, well, it's kind of like this. Just say, it's this or it's that. Try not to be wishy-washy or have any gray. And another um, tip, the shorter the answers, the better. You don't want to waste their time. And a lot of business people, you know, they're they're they got their money usually by some entrepreneurial thing they're doing or some business or let's just say they're a manager in a company. They're doing something, um, and those type of people, the business people, they don't want long-winded answers that dance around the question. Okay, so the shorter the answers, the better. Which leads me to tip number seven. 
don't give them too much. Now the first meeting is really more about connection than getting into the nitty-gritty minutiae details of the project. If this is your second meeting or a follow-up phone call and they've already seen the business plan, then yes, you'll get into a lot more of that. But if it's a first meeting face-to-face, -face, um, you really you don't want to have them on the first meeting to have information overload. And let me just tell you a great example. Uh, this is a failure and a success example. This is a story of my mom buying a car years ago. I was like 10 years old, and I always went with my mom whenever she was buying a car. So I was a car nut, and I would chime in with my two cents worth. I knew a lot about cars. Don't ask me why. I guess I was just interested in them, even when I didn't have my license. So we go on the first lot to look at this Oldsmobile station wagon, and the sales guy there He's just going on and on and on, literally for like 20 minutes, just rattling off all these features. Like, oh, it's got these power windows here, and you got cigarette lighters in the doors, and this dashboard has a unique lighting system where it automatically dims, and and, uh, and then he opens up the hood. Okay, now most housewives, I don't want to be biased here, but 30 or 40 years ago, most women, they don't even know, need, they don't even know how to change the oil. Okay, I'm just being honest. You might call me something I don't want to be called, but I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you how it is. So this guy, he's this sales guy. He spends like ten minutes going on and on about all these features while the hood is up, looking at the engine. Like, yeah, this is a really big engine. It's a 302 cubic inch. It's made in our plant, and it's got. Uh, this overhead cam system, and it's got all these uh, relay points and uh, these high-capacity spark plugs. I, like, I forget half the stuff he said because I wasn't even interested in it. And my mom, her eyes just kind of glazed over, and it's kind of a waste of a time, right? So then, and she really liked the car, but then we go over to the Chrysler dealership, similar type station wagon, you know, it's the big station wagon, so we're comparing apples to apples. And the salesman was totally different. He asked a few questions like, so, <coughs> I see you have a son here. Any other family members? And my mom go, yeah, you know, my husband and um, got three other kids. And we travel, we take some long trips a lot. So what was different about this salesperson is he learned a little bit about our family, what kind of trips we were taking. And when we we would sometimes do long road trips, like eight hours. We'd have all the kids, the dog, the cat, and all this luggage. So I'll never forget, the Chrysler guy didn't spend too much about all the bells and whistles. He just said, you know, this pretty much has all the features of the Oldsmobile. There's one other thing that's unique, but that's it. But we have this one thing that might be of real value to you and your family. In the very, very back here, and he opens up the back door. We got this little, uh, we get this little flip-up seat. Okay, it's like a little jump seat that flips up. So, if and he looked right at me, and he kind of made fun. If if Scott and his brother are really loud and noisy, and they want to be carrying on and talking in the back, they can have their privacy in the back, and it's quieter for you and your husband up front. 
And right there, I could tell my mom was sold by that stupid little seat. So the whole point of my story there was you want to share two or three top selling points of your film that, and hopefully one of them will have that emotional connection, just like that stupid little seat that flipped up in the back of the Chrysler station wagon connected with my mom. So if you can find a connection with your movie or how you're going to market the movie, um, that fits a need for the investor. So let me give you a specific example here. And I'm just going to do a hypothetical one. Let's just say you're pitching one of your good friend's fathers. Okay, So you know this guy. You've been around his house a few times. And he happens to be a little older. He's old enough, in fact, that he has two grandsons. And by the way, you should know all this. You should know that he has two grandsons because you've done your homework before the meeting. You want to describe in pictures the scene. So when you're talking to him, it's like, tell me a little bit about the movie. You know, you don't want to tell him the whole movie from A to Z. Remember, you want to keep your pitches really short, less than five minutes, no longer than 10 minutes. But you can get into this with this grandfather here just saying you know there's this really pivotal pivotal scene in the movie that we set in this really cool diner and the middle of the scene the lead actor gets involved in a scuffle with a waitress and he's so upset with the waitress that he picks up this big sandwich of barbecue sauce all over it coleslaw and he throws the sandwich sandwich at the waitress but he misses and it hits this teenage kid at the very next booth right behind him and it ends up in this huge food fight throughout the whole diner and we even have a stunt guy who then jumps over the counter and leaps on top of the lead actor to subdue this situation the whole thing is going to be a blast and by the way if you think that your two grandsons might want to be in this scene, I can talk to the director and they can actually be in the movie. So you get my point there? If there's some emotional hook, whether it's being an extra in the movie or whether you're doing a documentary about baby harp seals and you want to make an emotional connection with what you're trying to accomplish, what the the documentary can create in terms of awareness or maybe preventing the baby harp seals environment from getting destroyed. Uh, I'm not going to ramble on here too much longer, but you get the point. So this is really, really important. Okay. Tip number eight, have everything ready in your back pocket. And what I mean by this, it's really there. You want to be prepared only if they ask. Remember, you're keeping it pretty much short, uh, your pitch on the first meeting. And you don't want to ramble on and on and on and on. But if they start asking questions or if you think something might be of interest to them, like, you know, that um, when you first sent that email over with a poster, I kind of, um, I kind of like the artwork, but there's something really confusing about that. Didn't, didn't, let, let's say you're pitching somebody who actually owns a, uh, an advertising agency. And this is a big, big deal for them about the artwork. Well, if you actually have a couple mock-up options, you can, or if you have a teaser trailer that shows some different artwork or whatever, 
you want to make sure you're prepared. So you want to have your iPad or your laptop there. Worst case, having have this right on your phone. And you can pull up, you know what? Um, that artwork is just pre preliminary. Obviously, we're going to really tweak it while we're shooting the film because we need to add in some cast pictures. But we, we did make a mock-up um, option. And I have it right here on my laptop. And you can show that show this person, okay? Now, if this person happens to, like I said, hypothetically work in an advertising agency. And by the way, you know, we're here to support the director's vision. It's really up to the producers and the director, okay? You know, our team is going to make the final decision. But we really value any input from our investors. So if you have any input, here is a, uh, a different... Uh, poster option we're toying around with and that that little bit right there gets the potential investor engaged right away right at the meeting and also um, it gives that person a sense hey if I invest money I'm gonna have a little bit of fun I'm gonna actually have some input into the creative marketing strategy when we're shopping the film later on to potential distributors so just be prepared um, another thing that, that comes up sometimes is like, um, so do you have any ideas for potential actors that you want for this film? Now, a big part of that obviously is going to be part of your budget, but let's just say you have a 500,000 to a million dollar budget. Okay. In that range, if you're really, really smart with your money and you're frugal, you're probably going to have a good chance to get some, I don't want to say A-list, but you're probably going to be able to get some recognizable name actors. And a big question that comes up all the time to me when I'm working on narrative films, do you have any ideas of actors you want to approach? So like I said, tip number eight, have this in your back pocket, be prepared. Um, yes, we do. We've had a lot of discussions with the director, and uh, you can rattle off you know, Amy Smart or um, uh, Blith Danner or, um, uh, you know, obviously you're not going to get Jason. I can't even think right now. But you're just going to rattle off a couple names of some uh, um, um, actors, right? And if you have your laptop there on your phone, here's a whole list we have. We have about 10. This is our top 10 to go list. And that just got, gives you an idea. And what else I've noticed in that little conversation they will, everyone wants to be an armchair quarterback, right? Because they, let's just say someone's running this successful advertising agency or they're running this big real estate firm. That's why they have all this extra money to invest, okay? They don't have time to also be filmmakers, but if they invest, you always welcome investors' inputs. Now, you got to be really clear. You draw the line in the sand. You're not casting the movie. You're not editing the movie. You don't have the final say, but we always welcome input. So just whipping out that list of all your top 10 or top 20 actors you're thinking about, it gets them thinking. It's like, hey, I might have some ideas and some actors. Well, you know, if once you're an investor, we always welcome input. And that really makes them feel engaged. It's, like I said, it's kind of an emotional connection there as well. Number nine, you end the meeting. So even if you're having a great time and you're making a fantastic connection, you can read their body language, okay? 
And you don't want it to go too long where they're crossing their arms or, you know, they're just kind of head bobbing a little bit or their eyes are glazing over or they're looking at their watch. Okay. So I don't really have a set time where like, hey, 30 minute pitch and then I'm out. But I always want to be flexible. Now, if it's going really, really well and I see some good uh, body language from the potential investor sitting across the table from me uh, or on the couch, I will offer that potential investor a second coffee. Hey, you want an ice water or do you want a drink for the road or a snack? Just You just go with it, right? So like I said, no hard out time limit, but I will usually wrap it out within an hour. I don't really think any pitch meeting needs to go longer than an hour, you know, unless it's an unusual situation. Now, if I meet the investor at night for drinks, that's a whole different scenario. Honestly, one, I don't really like to do because number one, sure, I enjoy to, to toss back a beer, have a glass of wine now and then, but I'm really not a big drinker and I'm up every single morning at 4.30. That's kind of my routine. So I go to bed usually early before 10 o'clock. But if I've got a really solid potential investor and they have crazy work hours and they want to meet for a drink, I will work around their schedule. I will always make the meeting happen, especially if it's a potential investor. So my policy is I'll have one drink with them to bond, okay, to connect. When in Rome, you do what the Romans do. But after that one drink and maybe, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, I'm out. Even if they beg me to stay, okay, they're having a few, uh, maybe it's like them and some of their friends, okay, even if they beg me to say, come on, we're going to have a great time tonight, and you feel it could be a good bonding opportunity, it's never a good idea. And in fact, when you cut it off after an hour, after one drink, they will, even though they want you to stay because they're, they're all about staying out and having a good time, and maybe they're on their second beer or they're doing shots, believe me, they, they really want you to stay because they want to have fun, they enjoy your company, they will respect the fact that I'm serious about the movie. And when I tell them I'm up at 4.30 every morning, they say, okay, this guy's really serious. Okay? So whatever, you know, whatever you have to say, just make it uh, polite. But just say, hey, I got to go and this, this movie's really important. I really enjoyed the drink. Boom, you're out. And by the way, they already have drinking buddies already. And there's nothing you can accomplish by staying an extra two or three hours with them anyway. So, um... The, the kind of the final thing about you ending the meeting here, the final thing to close out, tip number nine, is you want to always leave them wanting a little bit more. You don't want to kind of, you know, make your pitch boring or feel like the pitch went a little bit too long, okay? So always, it's always better to leave a little bit early, err on the side of caution versus leaving too late. Now, number 10, and this is an important one. Know when to tell them no and walk away. I know this sounds counterintuitive because you're always trying to get potential investors to A, be willing enough to look at your business plan and then B, hopefully write the check. But let's just say you're doing your pitch and during the pitch or halfway through the pitch or even after the pitch, they throw up a red flag. It's like, Scott, um, ordinarily, I would consider, you know, a, a small investment, 2500 5000 whatever it is. You know, the numbers are different on every single budget, right? 
But, here's the big but, I have three kids next year going into college, and it is going to kill me with the private school tuition. Now, if you know anything about private school colleges, it's insanity, okay? So what I will do in that type of scenario, I will immediately jump in, say, Bob, 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 whoa, 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 wait, wait, hey, enough said, end of discussion, I wouldn't even let you invest. If you've got that kind of pressure on you, and this is the first year, I didn't realize that your third kid was also going to college, you already stretched in. So what you're going to do, you're by jumping in and telling them, no, 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 I understand, you're out, okay? You're jumping in, you take all the pressure off of them, okay? You're empathizing with them. Okay, you know, you bought them a cup of coffee, you created some goodwill, you've created more of a bond, rapport, and you really, by telling them no and taking all the pressure, you built an even stronger bond. So at this point, you've earned their respect, and in my case, you've also earned the right to throw this closing question out. So hey, Bob. Understand, like we discussed, I wouldn't even let you invest. I mean, my God, good luck with the three kids in college next year. I can't imagine what you and your wife are going through. But if you think of any friends who might want to get in on this opportunity, because I feel really, really good about the prospects for this film, just let me know. Okay, you've earned the right to throw that referral question out. And if it's a good friend of a friend, they're probably going to know your mutual friend, so it's it's still kind of in your network, which is a good thing. And if it's ever appropriate, okay, I will sometimes throw the 5 to 10% finder's fee out if it's appropriate. So I'll say, hey, Bob, if you think of any friends who might want to get in on this movie because we're really excited about it, uh, let me know. And just for making an introduction, you don't have to do anything else. If one of your friends does invest, I'll pay you a 10% finder's fee, okay, or a 5% finder's fee. So let's just say, Bob, if your friend does end up writing a $10,000 check, that's $500. I'll, I'll send you a check as soon as we get funded. So you built the rapport. You've gained the respect. You certainly earn the right to throw that question out. And if it's appropriate, if you're doing a finder's fee or if that's in your budget, you've discussed it with the other producers, that is an incentive for Bob just because he's, you know, an introduction is nothing if he's, you know, if he's got a good friend out there. So that's it. Um, sorry this was a little long. I even had to break it in two parts, but I thought this was really, really important information I wish I had years ago, like I said. So go ahead and click on the next episode where I'll cover some specific and very different tips for how to handle a pitch over the phone or video conference. Tune in next week or for more info, visit financeyourmovie.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you have a story to tell the world, never give up on your dream. Copyright Nemours Marketing.